Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm your Rashidian. You're the founder of Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Center. You hold a bachelor, bachelor's, if I'm reading this correctly, in chemistry and human biology. And you have a doctorate in chiropractic. And um, not only are you an established chiropractor, but you appear to be an award-winning entrepreneur, philanthropist, author, speaker, husband, father, community leader. <laughs> Maybe there are two of you. I don't know. <laughs> um, but welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. I've been excited to uh, do this with you and uh, I'm really happy to be connecting with your audience. Well, you know, first of all, let's, let's talk about the fact that you um you have these kind of connected, right, um, degrees and areas of expertise. So when you were a little boy, just diving in, what did you want to be when you grew up? So when I was nine years, I, I mean, originally I wanted to be a truck driver. Okay, uh, nice. <laughs> but There's still time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I, I do enjoy uh, big machinery. Um, but I was nine years old. I was um, traveling with my father through the remote villages in Iran, which is where I was born and raised. And in this one village, a woman went into labor. She was in tremendous amount of pain and there were no doctors or hospitals in this village, only a midwife. So this midwife walked over, knelt down, examined her and stood up and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. She said, there's no heartbeat. The baby's not alive and she's not going to make it. And, uh, and, and uh, her husband was right next to her. And at the age of nine, I was looking into the eyes of this young lady who was just told she's not going to live another few hours. And I started to feel this pressure in my chest, you know, like a uh, panic attack, like anxiety, chest felt tight, my heart's pounding and having trouble catching my breath and tears are starting to come down my face. And my father noticed me, picked me up, he held me, he carried me out of there, he calmed me down. Then the two of us climbed down the mountain, we got in our car to drive home. And on the drive home, I said, Dad, I don't want to feel like that ever again. Like what? Helpless. There's nothing I could do. Mm. He said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, I, I'll go be a surgeon. I'll be the best surgeon in the whole world. And I'll carry my medical bag with me everywhere I go and I'll save lives. And 10 years passed. I was a student at George Washington University and I was, you know, on track to go to medical school eventually. And um, I went home for Christmas break. My father was wearing this big, thick, white neck brace on. And, and he was, you could tell, on the, under the influence of some really heavy painkillers. And he was limp and numb from the shoulders down. He couldn't move his arms. He couldn't use his hands. He had lost total function in his arms. And um, we ended up going from doctor to doctor, trying to figure out what's wrong with my dad. 
And long story short, after a lot of different doctor's visits, we ended up in a neurosurgeon's office. The neurosurgeon took one look at my dad and said, you need a surgery yesterday. Uh, you've got these bone spurs, degenerative changes, narrowing the canal, pressing on the spinal cord, and it's choking the life that flows from your brain to the rest of your body, especially your arms. And unless we find a way to decompress, this is not going to end well. And uh, he said, the surgery is pretty intensive. We're going to break and remove the bones in the back of your spine, take pressure off the spinal cord. And then we're going to put these rods and screws into your neck. We'll fuse your whole neck and you'll never turn your head again. You may not regain function of your hands, but we're hoping you have less pain and there's a chance you'll die because you're old. So dad was 70 years old. And, you know, there's such a thing as a young 70 and an old 70. 70s, there's a spectrum of 70 year olds. But dad was the older 70 and he hadn't been taking great care of himself. So we got two other opinions. All three neurosurgeons said you need surgery. And we got in a taxi to go home. I was sitting in the back of the taxi holding dad's x-rays, MRIs, CTs, medical records, this big stack of film. Nowadays, they come on one little CD. But back then, this is 28 years ago, um, everything was on film. And I looked over at dad sitting next to me with his neck brace on and he was just cringing because every bump that taxi hit was sending this lightning bolt of pain through his entire body. Looking in his eyes, I could tell he didn't want to live anymore. And I started to have that same emotion that where the you know chest feels tight and heart's pounding and I was having a little trouble breathing and tears are starting to fill up my eyes. And this taxi driver looked at dad and I in his rear view mirror and he said, sir, I noticed you're in a lot of pain and I know you asked me to take you home, but there's a chiropractor right down the street. I don't know what he does, but I've heard he helps people like you. Would you like me to take you there? And, you know, I was a 19 year old know-it-all. I said, no, uh, we need to go home and get ready for surgery. Dad was terrified of that surgery. So he said, sure, let's go check it out. We show up to the chiropractor's office and the long story short is he looked at all those MRIs and x-rays and CTs that I was carrying and uh, told my dad that he could help him. He said, I'm not going to break and remove bones in your spine. I'm not going to put you on painkillers for the rest of your life. And I'm definitely not going to put rods and screws into your neck. What I will do is with my hands, gently adjust little by little to take pressure off the nerves of your neck. And as pressure comes off the nerves, your body will begin to self-regulate. And, uh, and he said, it's not going to be an easy road. You're going to need to be here six days a week for the next six months. Dad said, I'll do whatever you say. So he borrowed the money to pay for it because he couldn't work and we didn't have much. And then uh, he went there six days a week for six months. By the end of those six months, he had full use of his hands. He could turn his head. He was on no painkillers. Uh, he had no more pain. And uh, he lived another 18 years. He lived to be 88 years old. And at 88... He was younger, and this is what everybody needs to hear. At 88, he was younger than when he was 70 because he'd get up and work out, then go out the door and visit his friends. They were all in nursing homes, but not dead. He lived a great life. He lived long enough to stand next to me as my best man when I got married. Oh. He lived long enough to meet my first son when he was born. And um, so anyways, that's where my passion for chiropractic came from. I thought, hey, this is exactly the same as surgery. You're moving things on the inside of the body, but you don't have oh. to cut them open. This yeah. is even better. And uh, and so I got into chiropractic and I've been a chiropractor for 23 years. Uh, right now we have two offices, team of three doctors, um, 12 total employees, and uh, we're serving about 20,000 office visits annually. That's amazing on so many levels. <laughs> There's so many parts to the amazingness of your story. So first of all, 
your the taxi driver seems like he was like an angel you know put in place your dad sounds really incredible going back to the story of trying to help that woman what was your dad can you just fill me in a little bit about what he was like just as a person I, I always think I always joke around and say he he looked like someone who should be in the mafia <laughs> because for one, he had me when I was when he was 51. So oh, and, and I'm and, and I'm already 48 years old. So at 48 years ago, 51 was considered old. Yeah. So he kept all he always told my earliest memories of him is, are he would say, I'm going to die soon. So I need to take teach you everything I know before I die. So at the age of three, he would sit me at the dining room table and pull out his balance sheets and bank statements and profit loss statements. And he would teach me about what is profit, what is cost of good, what is cost of labor. And, and here's how you manage this and that. And he owned a large construction wow. company. His company built a lot of hospitals, um, government buildings, um, office buildings in Iran. And uh, he was almost retired by the time I was born uh, when he was 51. He retired a few years after that. Uh, but he kept a couple of the larger buildings and he would just collect rent. And um, but it was amazing because every every bank knew him. Every bank president knew him. And when we would go to certain parties where there's a large gathering of people, a lot of the people who also looked like they should be in the mafia would bow down to my dad. So clearly he had some kind of a you know, air about him that uh, wow. made him seem pretty important. Of course, when you leave Iran and come to the U.S., all of that changes. Um, but yeah, we, we lived a pretty good life all the way up until the revolution in 1979. Okay. And then, so then in 1979 and the revolution happened, you're living, you know, a nice life. The revolution happens. Now you're living in a, amidst a war, essentially, right? Yeah. And then is that when you left? during that time? Yeah, so so the war war started, I believe, in 81, um, right after the Iran-US hostage crisis. And right. uh, we left in 85. So I was there for a few years of the war. We lived up north by the Caspian Sea, which was a beautiful recreational area. We had a beach house, uh, a villa on the beach, and then we had another house that was you know 30 minutes away from another beach. Um, but after the revolution, the the country became the Islamic Republic of Iran. And one of the laws was you can't own two houses. So the government confiscated our beach house and just you just couldn't own a lot of property. Things became difficult. And a lot of people left right then and there. We kind of stayed around for a bit longer. Um, but when we did finally leave, we were only allowed to take five hundred dollars with us. Uh, so we had to leave everything else. And so my mother and I showed up in Los Angeles in 1985, in the middle of the summer, with two suitcases, because the airline lost our third suitcase. So we had two suitcases and $500. And my dad had to just drop us off and leave. He had to go back. So we, we basically lived like homeless people, jump, bouncing from home to home, asking people if we could stay with them. And uh, then eventually, we ended up sharing an apartment with another woman who had, um, uh, she had three children. And my mother and I were in the small bedroom in the apartment and her and her three kids were in the larger bedroom in the same apartment. And we shared the living room in the kitchen and we lived like that for a couple of years. Um, and, and mom became a nanny. She started to uh, take care of this family that, that uh, um, the, the mom was a doctor, the dad was a businessman. And, and so she would, she would take care of their little baby. And uh, on weekends, mom and I would go 
knock on doors and ask if we could clean their homes just to make some extra money. So wow. um, then, then eventually we moved to the East Coast and, um, you know, things started to get better. That's an incredible story. Um, what do you think you learned from that? Like what, what did you take away from that that it helps you today, would you say? Uh, the, the funny thing is when, when we started my practice here, it was my wife and I, and we did the same thing. We went door to door because we didn't have a marketing budget. So I had already done it. So it didn't seem all that. It's still yeah. terrifying to knock on someone's door that you don't know. And times have changed because of, you know, the pandemic and everything else. You know, people are afraid of human interaction. Uh, <laughs> but thankfully, this was way before that. This was in uh, early, uh, 2006 is when I opened the our main office. I had another practice in 2003, and we did the same thing for that too. But we didn't have much of a budget. I and mean, we just put a little bit aside for operating expenses, bought some equipment. And then for marketing, we would just knock on doors and say, hey, I'm Dr. Rashidi and I'm moving to town. I wanted to introduce myself and wanted to know if there's anything I can do to help you. And uh, I have some questions about the community. If you would help help me uh, learn the community a bit better. And some people were really nice. They would invite me in and, and ha you know, bring me tea and, and we'd have a great conversation. And some people would slam the door in my face and we got everything in between. But, um, but I, I think that was one of the things. The other thing I learned is um, children don't know any different. To, to me, that was fun because I was a child, right? I, yeah. I was 11 years old going door to door and I go, okay, this is what you do to make make a living it's not a, I was never upset you know it as grown-ups we have all these hang-ups I am too good to go knock on a door I am too I'm above this uh cleaning a bathroom is beneath me that's ridiculous children don't have those things they just do whatever you know mm. we didn't have money for toys so we made our own toys and we played with whatever we had and everything was great you know I remember one time uh, my my mother said I'll give you an allowance of a dollar a week and I nine weeks later I had nine bucks went to Walmart and bought a toy with nine dollars and I was so happy it was the best thing because kids are just happy resilient and adaptive and we lose that as we get older if we could hold on mm -hmm. to that I think everything would be great and we'd, we'd be a lot more successful you know that's interesting and that is a great point that anybody can take into their own life and it also tells me it also informs me a little bit about your mother because she must not have been like sitting in the corner, wringing her hands and, you know, for you to be a kid, to be okay with it, I would have to imagine that she was like, all right, you know, this is how we're going to do this, which is pretty remarkable, honestly. Yeah. Considering when we were in Iran, she had somebody do her laundry for her. Another person cleaned the house for her and someone else cooked for her. So, so that's to, amazing to live that to leave that life and come to the u.s and then have to go clean for somebody else and watch someone else's child never complained once i mean wow. uh, it, it is it is very incredible wow that's really incredible i'm gonna actually take a little piece of your mom <laughs> sticker in the back of my mind so today you are you have this chiropractic practice you wrote a book right yes when did you write the book? So my, my first book I wrote in 2016, it's called The Stress-Proof Life. And that was okay. written for my patients because a lot of our patients were just complaining about stress. They said, oh, stress is the reason I'm sick. Stress is the reason I got hurt. Stress is the reason I can't get ahead. 
stress, stress, stress. And I wanted to tell them what stress is because nobody has a definition of stress. And I want to tell them it's, it's, it's your body and your mind and your psychology, neurology, physiology of how you handle stress that makes a difference because you can put two people under the same amount of stress and one gets sick and has a heart attack and the other one thrives and actually gets stronger and healthier and better under the same amount of stress. So it wasn't the stress. And so wow. that's what that book was about. We called it the stress-proof life because you put on this stress-proof vest so that like bullets, like a bulletproof vest, the stress doesn't hurt you. Mm -hmm. Then the second book came out last October and uh, that one is called Cracking the Stress Secret, How to Turn Pressure into Power. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, um, it, it's more uh, geared towards uh, people who want to achieve something big. It, it's almost a rewrite of the first book, but it's geared more toward business people, executives, um, entrepreneurs, or, or even um, people who want to just take their life to the next level, but they're not equipped to handle the stress. They're the ones that that's, they go, hey, I'm, I'm going to go back to school. But then when they go back to school, they realize it's pretty stressful. And they're the ones that say, oh, it's too stressful. I'm not going to do this. Or I'm too old. Or I'm, I'm too weak. Or I'm too this or that. And whatever it is, that this book helps you deal with that. So it came out in October of 2022. It was number one bestseller in four categories on Amazon. It was a number one new release. It did very well. And um, uh, we've gotten some good reviews about it. That is really good. So what do you, so it's interesting. What is the link? Because you know, I'm poorly educated about the arena of chiropractic. So full disclosure, I'm always like, well, my back doesn't hurt. I don't need a chiropractor. <laughs> so a couple of things. One, what in your field of chiropractic is related to the topic of stress or is it even related? It's everything. Um, you know, the original textbook on chiropractic never mentioned back pain once chiropractic was never designed to be about back pain it became about back pain when uh in the early um 1980s uh maybe even a little before uh, blue cross blue shield started to accept chiropractic and what they wanted to do was they they wanted to kind of pigeonhole chiropractic into this one thing and said if you mm -hmm. if you become back pain doctors we'll reimburse you so all the chiropractors agreed and went into that but that's not true chiropractic so the premise of chiropractic is based on the fact that the human body knows how to self heal and self regulate within limits so what that means is if I need an enzyme, my body will produce that. If I need a hormone, my body knows how to produce that as well. The reason we have opioid receptors in our body is because your body can produce opioids, just like a narcotic that you would take. That's what endorphins are. Endorphins are natural morphine that the body can produce. So if you have a receptor for it in the body, God didn't put those receptors in your body because he knew someday someone's going to invent a drug that's going to activate that receptor. It's because you can produce those things in your body. If I cut my hand, it'll heal. Even if I need stitches to hold the edges together, the stitches, they don't make my cut heal. The body repairs itself. The blood will clot, not everywhere else, just in my hand where the cut is. There, that's wow. called innate wisdom. There's intelligence in the body that knows if I break my arm, if I immobilize it, it grows back together and fuses and, and heals. The other bones in my body don't grow together. Just that one does because it's immobilized. So that wisdom of the body is what's under the control, direct control of your brain. And how your brain controls everything that happens in your body is through nerves. These are like electrical wires that connect your brain to every cell, every tissue, every organ 
every joint, every muscle in your body, every everything has a nerve that connects it to your brain. Your brain is always keeping track of what's going on in your body. Right now, your brain knows what your left kidney is doing and what your right kidney is doing. Your brain knows how fast your heart's beating and whether it needs to beat faster, whether the pressure needs to increase in your blood or decrease. It knows all of that. The brain is this overprotective mother that controls what happens in the entire body. And so if there is no interference in the system of nerves, and most of the nerves go through the spine and come out of the spine and go to the different organs of our body, if there's no interference, you should have the best health you ever had in your life. That's called normal. But if something interferes with one of those nerves, if there's a misalignment and a nerve is being interfered with, then the organ that that nerve goes to can't function properly. That's when your body starts to malfunction. And the definition of health is true function, proper, optimal function. And so dysfunction is often because of nerve interference. The job of the chiropractor is to find that interference and remove it. So as an example, um, do you remember Christopher Reeve who played Superman? Yes. Down a uh, little further down from us in Virginia, he fell off a horse and broke his neck. And when he broke his neck, he became paralyzed. But did he become paralyzed just in the neck or from there down? It was from there down. It's because what happens to our neck doesn't just affect the neck. It affects everything from there down. And what most people don't know is they think, oh, he just lost function of his arms and legs. That's not true. He needed a ventilator to help him breathe because wow. his diaphragm wasn't moving up and down on its own anymore. He needed something to pump air in and out. And he needed a pacemaker installed on his heart to make sure the rhythm of his heart can sustain his life. And someone had to press on his abdomen once a day to help him have a bowel movement because he lost all those functions. Wow. He broke his neck and his bowels stopped working. It's because the brain needs connection with everything. It's not an on-off switch, though. It's a dimmer switch. If I fall off a horse, I don't break my neck, but something gets misaligned right here and it interferes with my spinal cord at that level. It's not just a neck issue. It's going to affect me from there down. And I may not know it, but a little bit later, I'll start having headaches. A little bit later, I'll start having some indigestion. I don't even know why, because I don't connect the dots, yeah. but it's the nervous system functioning properly. So the chiropractor's job has always been kind of like a dentist. You don't just go to the dentist when you have a toothache. It'd be so silly. You go, hey, today I'm going to brush this tooth right here because that's the one that hurts. And I'm not going to brush any of my other teeth. That's ridiculous. You brush every tooth every day and you floss and then you visit your dentist twice a year to make sure everything's okay. And every two years you get x-rays of your teeth to make sure there's no cavities that you're not aware of. The same exact thing applies to your spine. You have all these two dozen moving parts throughout your spine and you're constantly moving or, or you may live a sedentary life where you sit too much. Either way, those bones can get stuck and get misaligned and no one's checking them. You should have your spine checked on a regular basis. If you're perfectly healthy, you should still have spinal x-rays every two years just to check and really? see if everything's okay. We do it for our teeth, but the yeah. teeth, I mean, the teeth are important, but are they as important as your spine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that there's, you know, I read somewhere among the years, you're, you're only as old as your spine somewhere. Mm. I read that. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. Maybe that kind of goes in hand in hand when you said your dad was like an older 70, you know? That's right, yeah. Um, you know, so when you wrote the book, is the book about the body or is it about the brain? 
it, it, it is more about the body and the connection of the body to the brain. So, so to define the word stress, stress is a force that causes change in your life. So it's neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. It's, it's stress is like gravity. Gravity can keep your feet on the ground so you don't float away into outer space, but it can also cause you to fall and get hurt. You can't say gravity is a bad thing. You can't say it's a good thing. It's just a force. Money is like that. Money can fund terrorist activity. It can fund wars, but it can also put your children through college. But you wouldn't ever say money is bad and you won't say money is good. It's neutral. It's how you use it. Believe it or not, anger is the same thing. You know, there's such a thing as uh, righteous anger that where you say, I am tired of being in the shape I'm in. I'm going to make some changes. That's good. Ang it's anger. That's energy. It's a force that moves you in the right direction. But someone could get angry and commit a crime out of anger. So that that it's the same anger. It's mm -hmm. energy. And so stress is that stress is the force you put on your muscles when you go to the gym and lift weights. So if you do it wrong, you get hurt. You do it correctly, you get stronger. But the stress is the same. There's no difference. And so the point of the book is it's not the stress. It's you. How are you handling that stress? Because I know I've noticed the number one reason people fail to achieve their goals, their dreams, their desires, their ideal life is because they're not equipped to handle the stress mm -hmm. that comes their way as they start to move toward that life. You make a decision. You say, I'm going to write a book and this book is going to change the world. And you start writing the book and you hit you hit a tough day. Uh, your computer crashes. Um, you, you find that you don't have enough time to sit down and write. And then you finish writing the book and no publisher wants it. And there's not, none of the literary agents are interested in your book. And you're sending query letters and, and book proposals to all different places and, and no one's responding, you know, and you quit. See, it's because you go stress, the stress was too much. But if you're equipped to handle that stress, the stress comes in three forms. It's psycho-emotional, which is when you have a fight with your spouse or when you're super excited about, you know, uh, going on a date later tonight. Uh, either way, that that that's psycho-emotional stress. The second one is biochemical stress. Biochemical stress comes to you in the form of nutrition and toxicity. And the third type is physical stress. Physical stress comes to you in the form of exercise and rest. And so you have to balance those. You have to balance the positive emotions with the negative. You have to balance the rest with the exercise. And you have to balance the toxicity with the nutrition. Feed the deficiencies, remove the toxicity. And if you can do those things, you are more equipped to handle the stress. That's a simple way of it. Now, yeah. uh, there are um, different techniques and methods. Number one would be chiropractic. And then beyond that, we can share different practical techniques that your audience could put to work right now. Can you share one of those? Yeah, I can share all of them. I mean, one of those would be sunlight. Try to get early morning sunlight because vitamin D is produced by your skin. What's really interesting about that is, and this is where my chemistry background comes from, is when sunlight hits your skin, your skin converts cholesterol to vitamin D. And so it actually reduces cholesterol as well, which is a fantastic thing. Um, not that cholesterol is bad. A lot of people have the wrong uh, idea of what cholesterol is because someone decided we're going to call this one good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. There's no good cholesterol and there's no bad cholesterol. Cholesterol is cholesterol. It's, it's like saying you have good red blood cells and bad red blood cells. You, you don't. They're, they're all, they serve a function. Your body produces them. And uh, so we can go into that another time. But uh, sun, sunlight is powerful. It in, increases serotonin levels. It acts like an antidepressant. And it increases vitamin D, which makes your heart, your joints, your bones healthier. Um, uh, detoxifying the body. You know, we use so many products on our face and our hair, you know, uh, 
shampoos and conditioners and, and body uh, washes. Look those up. There are websites that tell you exactly what toxins are in those and find one that has less toxins. Obviously, the most obvious toxins are smoking, drugs, alcohol. Uh, reduce those to, to tolerable levels. Uh, toxicity is huge. Visualization is another one. Why don't you take a 60-second vacation once a day every day? Just close your eyes. Do you know that the body doesn't know the difference between something that's actually experienced versus something that's imagined in vivid detail? And what we use our imagination for usually is called worry. We imagine worst case scenario and we experience that feeling. They say the fearful man dies a thousand deaths. It's true because he's always afraid. So he literally experiences yeah. death over and over and over. Um, we can't do that. So, so if you're worrying, you, you got to figure out how to stop. Um, and then visualize the good. Imagine what what's something good that could happen to you today. What if you wake up and said, "I know something good's going to happen today. I'm just going to look for it." Because when you look for something, you find it. Um, yeah. uh, exercise is powerful, even if if it's three minutes a day. Play some music. Go out in the sun early in the morning. Play music and dance to it in the sun. Love it. <laughs> Take some deep breaths. That's another one. Now, there's different breathing techniques for different uh, patterns of life that that are important. Um, eat good food, but you have to understand how you eat is more important than what you eat. So really? believe, believe, yes. And this is the biggest thing. Do uh, you know that in France, they eat wine, cheese, and bread with almost every meal. Yet there's no obesity and no heart disease in France. Why is it? If we ate wine, cheese, and bread with every meal, what would happen to America? We're already in trouble. Right. We would Forget about it. Yeah. Bigger. But France, it's not like that. It's because of how they eat, not what they eat. See, when, when you eat in a relaxed state, they, they set aside two hours for lunch. They set aside three hours for dinner. Mm -hmm. And they sit around, they talk, they relax. Do you know in kindergarten in the United States, the teachers tell the kids, stop talking, eat your food during lunch. In France, they tell the kids, don't eat so fast. Talk to your friends. It's the exact opposite because it's part of socializing. It's their culture. And if you're in your car, in rush hour traffic, on the phone with a business associate, late for your next appointment, and you put the most nutritious food in your mouth, literally because your body's not ready to receive that food, because you are in a state of fight or flight, the food will sit in your stomach. Your stomach needs to be empty within 90 minutes of eating, but the food will sit in there and it'll ferment and it'll rot. By the time it gets in your intestines, it's poison. Your body will literally allow that food to turn into poison because you were in the right state of mind, correct neurophysiology when you ate. On the other hand, let's say you only have 10 minutes to eat lunch. Well, play some Baroque classical music, say a prayer of gratitude, take a deep breath, exhale nice and slow and start eating nice and slow and imagine you have all day to eat. And when your 10 minutes is up, put pack your food and put it away. Don't eat fast. Just enjoy, enjoy the 10 minutes that you have, whatever it is. And literally that food becomes more nutritious. So you could eat, I'm not telling your audience to eat wine, cheese and bread with every I meal. feel like that's what I heard. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you eat with the right yeah. state of mind, your body yeah. will pull the nutrients out and excrete the toxins and it'll work properly because there's innate wisdom in the human body. So I think I mentioned about seven or eight of the things. That's a great the, tip sleep is another one make sure and again just like food how you sleep is more important than how long you sleep and so many people are stuck on i gotta get the eight hours no if you sleep really deep and powerfully you can get away with six hours if you're mm -hmm. correctly. 
Um, so do you incorporate this like eating? I mean, because it seems like you have a lot going on. Do you take the time yourself mm -hmm. to do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. I, I never rush through a meal. That And then the other thing I was thinking is you've been doing chiropractic for over 20 years. You still seem so passionate about it. How do you maintain that? Do you get bored? Do you, you know, how do you maintain this enthusiasm for what you do? That, that's a good question. I, I think some of it is um, put in us. You know, we each have desires for certain things. You, you see someone who gets super passionate about fly fishing. And yeah. every chance they get, they're out there fly fishing. I, I think that's that's part of what's in me. I love yeah. teaching what I've learned. I love learning, studying, and um, growing myself in that knowledge. Uh, I think you can never be good enough. Um, not That sounds bad. I, I, I'm not saying you're not good enough. I'm, I'm just saying you, you can always improve. Like, for example, you can't ever be too healthy. No one's ever going to say, uh, you know what, Amanda, you're too healthy. Why don't you tone it down a little bit? You they just say it to me all the time, Amir, but I don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's what it is. It's just, just yeah. need to constantly improve. I don't have a lot of hobbies. I have my family. I, I have my business and I, and I exercise in the gym and th that's it. And, and, but I, but I love every part of that and I really enjoy it. So when you were younger and you envisioned your future, does your life look like you envisioned? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, if it, 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 that's interesting. I, I never envisioned anything in detail, which is a mistake. I think you should, I think you should, you should put detail in your visions and dreams and so on. Um, but where I am now, I, certain parts of it, I think are way above what I thought I would be. Um, I have, you know, an amazing family, three sons, uh, um, thankfully healthy, happy. All three said they want to be chiropractors like me, which is, which wow. is a huge, yeah, it's a huge, uh, compliment to me, 13 yes. years old, nine years old and six years old. And, um, so, um, we enjoy doing things together. I mean, it's, it's great. I, every time I pull up to our house, I have to pinch myself because we live on such a amazing property on the side of a mountain overlooking the city. Um, we see the most amazing sunrise every single morning. Um, at night, we see the city lights. And then I'm 10 minutes from downtown and 12 minutes from each of my offices. It's, it's just a really nice life. And we have all these amenities and everything else. And so I, I think the point is, because it sounds like I'm bragging. I'm not no, trying. I I wanna, it sounds I wanna, like you're grateful. I am grateful. But I also want to say, say this very important thing to your audience is that uh, one, one, one day, a long time ago, before my dad passed away, he said, why are you working so hard? Because I see you putting in all these extra hours and I feel like you're burning the candle at both ends and aren't you worried about your health? And I said, dad, I know what you're saying. Health is important and I shouldn't sacrifice my health for success. But let me ask you a question. Should I sacrifice my dreams, my goals, my futures just to be healthy? Because that's worthless too. I believe health is worthless if you don't achieve something that you want. Not nobody, not everybody wants what I want, right? Someone right. wants to just have an amazing marriage. Work at it, but don't right. don't say, "Hey, I'm not going to sacrifice my health to improve my marriage." You need both. You have to have both, and you can't. One is worthless without the other. Success, money, growth, influence is worthless if you're not healthy. 
but health is worthless. It's worthless if you don't do something with it. The reason you're healthy is so you can pursue your goals, dreams, aspirations. And so, and in fact, that's exactly what my second book is about is, is how do you get both? I feel like I have both. I, I, I still have that. to work at it, but I've got, I've got the health and I've got the relationships and I've got the resources and everything else. And yeah, I work very hard and long hours, but I make time for everything I want. Do you have any daily practices that you, that help you in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I like to set aside 30 minutes, um, three, four times a week, just to sit in prayer and quiet. And I talk to God and I, I ask questions and I listen. Um, I, uh, I believe reading the Bible has blessings in it, not just from the information you get, but just it connects you to your source. And um, so anyways, that, that's, that's something I do every single day. Uh, and then I, being a chiropractor, I have a series of back exercises that I do every morning at 5 a.m. Takes me 17 and a half minutes. And I haven't missed a day in, I don't know, 12 years. Haven't missed a single day. Uh, we could be camping with the kids in a tent. And they'll tell you, dad gets up and does his back exercises. So I do those. Then I grab my coffee. Then I do my quiet time. Then I go to the gym and lift weights. And then I go to work. And just a couple more questions. One is where, well, maybe you just answered it. Actually, I was going to ask you where you seek inspiration. I mean, is it from the Bible? Is it from those moments of quiet? Yeah. Inspiration uh, by definition is being in spirit, right? Spirit is in you. So when you allow that spirit inside of you, you should be inspired all the time. Um, but you have to consciously do it also. Uh, you know, be enthusiastic about life. It's a gift, it, it, you know, and, and it, you're not doing anything special if you're living a great life and you're enthusiastic, but you're a hero if your life is falling apart around you and you stay enthusiastic. Enthused is having God in you, enthused or in spirit, same thing. So um, hang around people that you enjoy being around every day, every day is powerful. Uh, like, like they should hang around you. They should watch your podcast uh, and, and listen to you on a regular basis because mm -hmm. th that feeds their soul and uh, they, they need that. Everybody needs that. So that's another place you can get inspiration. Another place you can get inspiration is deciding uh, um, what are you all about? Like in the long run, what are you all about? So for me, I want to honor and glorify God. I want to build lasting relationships and uh, I want to establish an institution that will outlast me. So, you know, once I'm dead and gone, my voice is still in the book. So hopefully the book will still be around. You know, um, yeah. I believe one of the best forms of self-expression is building a business. So if this business continues to serve after I'm dead and gone, then I've achieved that. So I'm always thinking, what's this going to be like when I'm gone? How can I set this up so it's stable, so it can run without me, so that if something happens it's still going to keep doing what it's supposed to. So um, focus, being focused on what you really, really want to do in the world, not just for your personal, uh, like a question is, if, if all your prayers came true, would your life change or would the world change? 
because mm-hmm. you know that tells you that tells you where your focus is so yeah. if you're about different crazy things happening in the world big things then you're trusting god for amazing things to happen and you're honoring him because you're saying i know he's capable of doing these great things but i think he wants us to talk to him and ask him you have packed a lot of inspiration just in this episode you really have for me and i know for people listening i really appreciate it um you've given me a lot of food for thought and when i consume that food i will do it without driving I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate all that you shared. Um, I, in the show notes, I'll definitely put a link to your book. I think it sounds amazing. Thank you. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. This was fantastic. You're awesome. And I'm really grateful to have had this opportunity. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.